Welcome to The Horse, a show hosted by longtime Yukoners Dan Bushnell and Jenny Hamilton. On this show, we talk to a diverse collection of people about living in the Yukon, what brought them here, why they stay or have left, but mostly, we like to talk about what truly makes them tick. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and enjoy the show coming to you from the Yukon's capital, Whitehorse, or as it's known to the locals, The Horse. We're all a little Irish. Yeah. Let's face it, there's two things the Irish are good at. Drinking and fucking, right? Like, Don't forget sectarian violence. <laughs> Isn't 70% of the planet related to Genghis Khan? Something like that. Fucked everybody. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Jenny Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should, yeah, do that. I like that. I'm Dan Bushnell. Do I go? Yes. I'm Carolyn Pollock. How does having lived in the Yukon for so long affect the way that you move within community? I got to say, well, it just start with the first time that I moved away. I was 19 and I got accepted to Canada World Youth. And the first place I lived on that exchange was rural Quebec. And But first we met all the other kids who were on the exchange. So there were a bunch of Canadian kids and a bunch of Indonesian kids. And the thing that I found, like I couldn't believe that this was even a thing, but all the Canadian kids couldn't believe that I knew native kids. And they're like, you know Indians? And I'm like, well, you don't call them Indians right. where we're from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were blown away that we had First Nations friends and that we went to school together. And like, I didn't even know that was a thing I, until I was I, 19 years old. See, and I, I had the same experience. Yeah, me too. When, but when I went to university. Yeah. 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 I was just like, what? Yeah, it's Canada. But then I realized really fast, it's the North. And later... I was living with my boyfriend, Ian, in Saskatchewan. We were living in Regina, which was a very unfortunate year of my life, which is a totally different story. (laughs) But I remember driving across the prairies and Ian would say, okay, see this nice, beautiful farmland? It's nice, right? I'd say, yep. He goes, just wait a minute. And then we'd drive another five minutes and it would be all rocky and shitty. And that was the reserve land. This is where we put everybody. And all like, and I mean, the people and my experience as an adult is that Saskatchewanians tend to be virulently racist against our First Nations brothers and sisters, which drives me bonkers. But I mean, what do you expect when you put them on the shittiest piece of land in the best farmland in the country? How do you expect them to succeed or do anything? Yeah. 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 Or have any kind of reasonable interaction with them. Yeah. Yeah. You just won't. No. It's like, and I'd say to my Saskatchewanian friends, it's like, well, did you go to school with Native kids? Well, no. Do you think that's an accident? I learned about white fragility really early, <laughs> I think. And I think that's a Yukon thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a shocker for when we leave here. It was for me going to Alberta and not having First Nations people around. Well, yeah. they're on the reserves. Yeah. Well, no, I know they live. Like, I just was clueless how isolated that was. It's still, I mean, we drove through, went to Alberta this year and driving home, it was still, it felt the same. Like, oh, we're on Vancouver Island. That's the, it's just. I really know some Vancouver Island yeah, as well. Yeah. I moved there, like, mm-hmm. out in grade three. I didn't understand the racial slurs. So there were racial slurs that were being thrown around and I didn't, I didn't get it because I'd never heard them before. Right. And somebody called this kid a salmon smoker. Where? He, Where can yeah, I get some? Yeah. Yeah. That was the thing. And yeah. but I found that the while the white kids like had all these racial slurs for the First Nations kids, 
the First Nations kids also wanted nothing to do with us. Well, I know. Mm-hmm. You can't really blame yeah. them. And they were like, what are you doing over here? Yeah. You need to be on that side of the playground yeah. with all the other white kids. Yeah. That was the first time I'd experienced that kind of segregation within a school. I went to Christ the King, which is Wood Street School now. There was no segregation in that school. And that was when Kwanlin Dunn was still downtown. Right. Yep. And Sarah says the same thing about New Brunswick when she was growing up in Fredericton. She didn't even know any First Nations kids because yep. they live way the fuck over there. So what do we do? Oh, education, 100%. When South Africa bases their whole apartheid system on Canada, I think that's pretty yeah. telling. That's, that's a pretty good sign yeah. we're fucking up. That is reasonably well known, if you care to know. Oh, don't talk about it. I don't think that people want to know Well, that's the difference. Right? Well, and that's it's just like, well, I didn't know anything about residential schools. Well, you should. Right. It doesn't it's, matter if you knew or not. Be respectful. Fuck, man. It just drives me crazy. Well, I didn't know about that. And this whole new Islamophobia thing, right? right. And the whole thing about like, ooh, are we going to let the Syrians in? It was nice to see Canada say, fuck yeah, of course we are. But when I I was living in Singapore at the time and had a bunch of expat acquaintances, I said to somebody once, during World War II, America and Canada didn't want Jews in. And what have Jewish people ever done for our world, right? And they go, well, I didn't know that. It's like, well, that's not an excuse yeah. for your argument. Well, that's what always makes me angry when people are like, well, I wasn't here. I never oppressed a First Nations person. Well, you weren't here when all the system was set up for your benefit. So why do you get that then? You don't get the blame. You also don't get the benefit. Whenever someone says, well, what's the solution? We talk to each other. I think that's all we can do because we live in a broken system. Absolutely. The one thing that we know is that the way that we run our country and the way that we run people in our country is broken. It's always been broken. Yet it's something that we can't get together. And it's the exact system that we're forcing on First Nations governance. Right. So that they're working with the same broken system that we can't make work. And we use the fact that they can't make our own broken system work. We call them corrupt. And it's like, you took this thing that we broke and have never been able to fix. And you You are fucking up. You're doing exactly what what we are doing. So, I mean, how do we move forward with a broken system? That no one has ever been able to make work until we fix that system. You can't, but I think it starts with putting First Nations history in school curriculums. Yes. Mandatory and university. Let's call it Canadian history. And why does Canadian history start with colonization? Because Because white men. Yeah. No, (laughs) that's what it is. I mean, I... We'll get into that. Got, <laughs> Don't get him started. We'll get me started oh on the patriarchy. I get all fired up. Me too. Okay, so now. <laughs> yes. Where did you go with Canada World Year? I went to uh, Sumatra, Indonesia, in a tiny little village that was so small that there was no electricity except for one side of the river. One guy had a generator and a wire that went to the houses on his side of the river, and a guy on the other side had the same setup for the houses along his road. And so from 6 to 10 every night, you could watch really, really terrible Mexican telenovelas that were dubbed into English with Indonesian subtitles. So that's how I learned a lot of Indonesian. That's incredible. Bobby. Saya Bill, which means, Bobby, I'm pregnant. This is one of the first things that I learned when I was in Indonesia. We didn't have glass in the windows. We didn't have a bed. Our kitchen was a fire on a piece of corrugated tin. It was the best four months of my life. It was amazing. Yeah. But that sort of being my second foray out of the Yukon to Indonesia Mm -hmm. really made me the tree-hugging, hippie, lefty, justice-for-all person that I am. How did the other Canadian kids handle it? 
I think if you go on Canada World Youth, it's a certain kind of person that does that, that applies and that gets picked. So there's a certain screening process. I ate and drank everything. Not that like Indonesians, Muslims, so there's no drinking, but I mean water, smoked Indonesian cigarettes. I never got sick the whole time I was there. I had like a cold. And there was one girl who wouldn't eat anything, wouldn't drink anything, was paranoid, and she wouldn't wipe her ass with her hand like you do with the water. She had a book, and she tore pages out to wipe her ass. And she, and not that these things are related, but I just think it's ironic that she got typhoid and malaria <laughs> in well, the form of What book was it? There. A page from a book. Right. It will tear you. On. Left hand poop, right hand food. Like, don't mix them up. Yeah. I'm left-handed, so... Right? And yeah. you wash. Well, that's it. That's and it's thing. all water. Like, I mean, yeah. you don't just wipe your ass with your hand. Like, well, there's a little more I've always thought about the whole left-hand poop thing. Your left hand should be clean. It is clean. But it's psychologically dirty. <laughs> yeah, because poop. So what was it about Indonesia that solidified you as this hippie, everybody has well, rights? I think that you realize really fast, and it's a completely different culture, right? Yeah. They speak a different language. They raise their kids differently. They wear different clothes. The MO of day-to-day life is completely different. And prevalent religion, bottom line, is that everybody, with a few jerky exceptions, on the face of the earth wants to have a nice life, and they want their kids to have a slightly nicer life than they did. That's it. That's the secret of the universe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that as a white Canadian, you're in a bubble. And if you choose not to leave that bubble, it's really easy to just pretend life is great, everything is wonderful, and let's ignore all the problems. Mm-hmm. And so to go somewhere and live in a place where you don't have glass in the windows and people manage, it's really eye-opening. Yeah. Right? And so, I don't know, I think a lot of that comes from my upbringing, but I think a lot of it comes from my personality too, because I've always been able to roll with the punches. You know what I mean? Like I'm a pretty adaptable person and I always have been. So I never really struggled. I found way stronger culture shock when I came back to Canada. Right. For sure. Was it also the people there? Oh man, they were great. Yeah. But the people were great. Like they were nice and, but I mean, life is simple. Yeah. Get up, sweep the yard. This is what my mom did. My host mom, who was seven months pregnant at the time we left, she'd get up and sweep the yard draw water from the well, fill up the water thing, and start cooking. Buy fruit, vegetables from the people who walk by selling fruit and vegetables. And that was kind of the day. And then when it was, you know, the middle of the hottest part of the day, you have a little nap. That's smart. It's pretty good. Well, I find that the way we in Canada speak about money, if you work a minimum wage job, there's an expectation that you will be less happy because you will be able to have fewer things. People ignore the rest of the world. And don't tell me about residential schools and don't tell me about Muslims and don't tell me about all the brown people that live in the city because la, 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 la. Right. Yeah. But I mean, we are from a country where homeless people can choose to be vegan. Yeah, I met right? a few. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I've, I've always found that astounding. Right. And then people are like, well, I don't have any privilege. And it's like, you live in a country with vegan homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> we are all privileged. Yes. Like, Absolutely, we are. Do you think... Uh, with the minimum wage job thing, I don't I don't believe that those people are less happy because they can't afford things. I believe they might be less happy because they have to have two or three jobs. They might not be less happy, but they're they're tired. Yeah, right? most of them are women. Yes, or immigrants who are thrilled to do it. Yeah. When I worked at Gencor 
as a mortgage broker. I have customers who were surgeons in the Philippines and now are stocking shelves at Walmart. And I'd be like, Jose, does it burn you? He's like, my kids are in Canada. Right. They get to go to university in Canada. So it's yeah. their future, right? their kids' future yeah. again. Yeah. And he worked at Walmart in the nights and then worked at fucking Tim Hortons during the day. And his wife also had three jobs. And the kids, as soon as they turned 16, would have a bunch of jobs. And everybody would pitch in and pay that mortgage off and buy another house. Well, here's the other thing, right? I, I totally respect that work ethic. But I also end up in the argument, why are white women or white guys who are making minimum wage bitching and complaining? Why don't they just shut up and work minimum wage and be grateful like these people? And my thing is, why don't we take these people, all poor people, and make it better? Demanding better is what we should all be doing. Because we have the luxury to ask for it. We have an Irish friend who I run with who's always like, you Canadians are so lukewarm. And I'm like, well, what is there to get worked up about? Right. Sectarian violence, maybe? No? Well, you guys have the market cornered on that one in the 70s, so we never did, right? We have it pretty good. And when you don't have any, any oppressive regime fucking your shit up, then it's like, okay, well, I better bitch about how much it costs for the city to come and pick up my garbage. I have to have two routers in my house so that the Wi-Fi can reach everywhere. That is a so my house my is life. so fucking big. Yeah. yeah. How long were you in Africa? A year in Swaziland, the year after Nelson Mandela got elected. So I was there during the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, which was, you know, surrounded Swaziland. So it was a big part of our day-to-day. And Desmond Tutu was on the scene and Nelson Mandela. And it was so fantastic. But a really tough year because Africa is a trip. It's amazing, but hard. Like, it's not an easy place to live, to be honest. I mean, I was high the whole time. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So most of it, do you remember? (laughs) Yeah. I kept a bunch of newspaper articles, which is good because... Because you had to figure out what happened. It's like, wow. Well, nothing really ever happened in Swaziland, which was the nice part of living there, right? Right. So once when we... Okay, so it was interesting, though, because we lived on a nature reserve, and our boss at the nature reserve was also one of the ministers in the People's United Democratic Movement of Swaziland. And so we would be driving in the car with Vumi, and there would be a you know standard police check stop, and he'd be like, oh, fuck, I got guns in the truck, you guys. But then they'd go, oh, look, Whitey's in the car. Just wave us through, right? Trunk full of guns. Trunk full of guns. No, White privilege the... even in Africa. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, South Africa living right oh. beside it, right? right? But even after Mandela. Oh, it was during all the shit where the crazy white boars like, drove tanks into Parliament in Pretoria. And they're douchebags. Okay, you know, they talk about rabbits. And like foxes and cane toads in Australia as being like the most detrimentally introduced species? No. White, White men. people. Oh, without question. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now Africa. Yep. That's great. Where'd you go right. next? So after Africa, I moved back to Whitehorse. Yeah. For- then I moved to Regina. Oh, no. And then I moved to Australia. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> where, where you learn to drink. <laughs> That's why she doesn't remember. <laughs> I like to call Australia the United States of the Southern Hemisphere. I don't know if that's that's a little bit harsh on Australia. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. But it's true insofar as that, okay, Canada is to America what New Zealand Zealand is to Australia. I think that the Flight of the Concords do an excellent job of making the parody of that relationship. Yes. 
Uh, I think that Australia can be typified by, remember when we were in New Orleans and right. that girl from Melbourne was talking to us while you were outside having a smoke? Yes. She's like, oh, where are you guys from? Oh, you lived in Melbourne? So the third question she asked us was, don't you hate how chinky Melbourne City has gotten? And it's like, this is the third question you ask complete str- stranger. strangers? This conversation's done. <laughs> yeah. Drunk white Aussie girl. You know what yeah. it is that's different? They don't love Jeebus like Americans do. Yeah. Plus, they're waging this stupid morality war. And it's a morality that no one in the United States I know, it's like, can live by. I know. Right. It's like, okay, so you're going to make it really tough for people to get birth control and really tough to get abortion. It's your goal here to stop people from fucking because that's not going to happen no. as evidenced by... The entire history of mammals. Right? Well, and your burgeoning porn industry. Yeah. And your incredibly terrifying forced prostitution and on and on and on and yeah. on. Well, and the thing that I can't figure out is America, the machine, doesn't like poor people and they don't like brown people. Yeah. But they don't want to give poor or brown people anything to do except for fuck. But no birth control and no abortion. I'm like, don't you see where your plan is going awry? Yeah. Because pretty soon there's going to be more of them than you. There already is. Well, good. And uh, I really like living in Australia, and I really like the friends we made in Australia. I I mean, it's just like living in Canada, but the weather's better, and you just can't talk about certain things. But you can eat anything you want, right? The food there is supposed to be amazing. Oh, the food's fantastic. No, it was great. We, you know, Melbourne is a city of neighborhoods. Lived in a neighborhood where we had a gym and a grocery store and doctors and coffee shops and everything we needed within a couple blocks. And all of our friends kind of lived in the neighborhood. And it's a really nice way to live. It's not really a suburby city like like Calgary is, right? Where people live all over in places where you have to drive to get a liter of milk. So Melbourne wasn't like that, and a lot of our friends didn't have cars, and their kids didn't know how to drive because we had the train and we had trams, and yeah. everybody walked around because the weather's pretty nice too. When it came to Melbourne, would it, was it like Toronto? Was it like Montreal? Yeah, Vancouver? it was definitely. I always said that Sydney was like Vancouver. Right. Look how pretty we are. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's very pretty. They couldn't say they had mountains in Australia because don't tell Australians they don't have anything. <laughs> But they don't have mountains. But we, like, when we first moved there, people would say, oh, how are you liking living here? And I'd say, yeah, it's great, you know, really like it, except for that I really miss the mountain. And they would look at me indignantly and say, we have mountains? Look, Mount Dandenong, which has a dizzying summit of 647 meters. Yes. Very upset by that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sydney's very pretty, nice to visit. Melbourne is more livable city. Like, if people came to Melbourne and say, what should we see? I'd be like, mm, I don't know. If you're here during the tennis, you should go see, see the, the tennis. tennis. Just go to restaurants and eat the food. Lots of live music, although I'm way too lame and old to go to any shows. Like we went to a couple shows and I'd be like, that, I'm that tired. A given. That's a given. I mean, I think people can tell that from your voice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, how did you end up in Singapore? Well, Steve, my husband, got. we moved to Australia because he got transferred with his employer. And then we lived there for... A few years and they said we want you to move to singapore we got this new job for you yeah and we said okay and then we gave away all our stuff in australia and we flew to singapore and lived there for two years and it took a while for it to grow on me and singapore is a strange little place because it's so tiny it's about 700 square kilometers with five million people on it wow And so as a Yukoner, even though I've been around and lived different places across Canada and the world, 
going to Singapore, it was a bit mind-blowing because you're like this all the time. Well, yeah, we have 13 square miles each for elbow room. Yeah, right? (laughs) In Singapore, you have sort of 7,000 or 8,000 people per square kilometer, right? So it's a different gig. And everybody there is a slow walker. I'm not bitching. I'd love it. I was going to say, I don't understand your Get out of my way. Oh, my God. I'm I'm permanently set on trundle, so. (laughs) You would fit right in. Awesome. Yeah. Singapore, after, like, at the first I was sort of, like, kind of boring. Like, it's kind of sterile and, you know, not, doesn't have a lot of soul. Well, because right? they've, they've sold it as, like, the safest place on earth. It is the safest it place is. on earth, as evidenced by the sign that was at the corner close to our house. It was like a sandwich board. And it said, the Tanglin Police Department wants to warn you that this is a high crime area. This is the spring of 2016. Five pickpocketings since April of 2015. Right. High crime. This is a, this is like a noteworthy attention citizens. <laughs> so, and it's a bit like that. It's a police state. Oh, yeah. If you fuck up, they might kill you. Okay. Right? Oh, so real police. <laughs> oh, yeah. They'll, yes. they, they still clean they, people there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And after living there for a year, I was like, okay, I'm getting you Singapore. Picking up your vibe which is mostly about food. So it was right up my alley. This is sort of the bone of contention that a lot of people have with Singapore. And the first thing that people think about Singapore is caning and that you can't chew gum. And somehow they've amalgamated these two presuppositions about this tiny country and say that you're going to get caned if you're chewing gum. gum. Right? No, that's a fetish somewhere else. You know what? That's a fetish in this room. (laughs) Oh, yeah? One of my favorite moments in Singapore is walking down the street and there's this kid wearing a shirt and it said legalize it and it had a pack of Wrigley's gum on it. Oh, that's amazing. It was so good, right? What I think about when I think about Singapore is you can't be gay. You can be gay. It's Mm -hmm. illegal, but nobody has been prosecuted under the laws. And it is a bit backwards, but in terms of Southeast Asia, surrounded by Malaysia, Indonesia, Muslim countries who are quite conservative in a lot of ways. When we went, like the first week we were there, we went to the Pride Parade. So it's allowed. So how do you have a Pride Parade while having homosexuality be illegal? I guess you just don't talk about it. Just say it's a flower and thong parade. (laughs) No, they said it it was a publicly broadcast and... Sanction and if you have a gathering, you have to have a license. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Like we do here. So it's licensed and everything. And I think that well, Lee Kuan Yew was prime minister of Singapore from 1965 when it became a country until 2015 or 16 when he died. And now his son is in power. So I think that there we'll see a shift there in terms of gay rights. Right. So it's kind of like don't bring drugs with you. No. To Southeast Asia. Why would you? I just don't get that. It's like, like, you can't go for two weeks without getting fucked up? I know, right? Drink, motherfucker. Yes. The risk? You're told. You don't go to other countries and bring your own booze. Well, you do if it's a Muslim country. (laughs) Well, you do. (laughs) You know, like... Yeah, drinking's legal there, and then drink. Yeah, well, come to Canada next year. Well, but also too, though, <laughs> or right? Go to Colorado like, right now. If you're going on a trip, and even if that trip say is a couple of months, and you're like, "Shit, I'd better bring some booze, or I'd better bring some pot, or I'd better bring some coke, or whatever the fuck your thing is," you got a problem, man. Yeah, like, yeah you do. You can't go for two months without doing that shit. Yeah, maybe cancel the vacation. Go to book rehab. into a fucking rehab yeah. and sort your shit out. Because I don't want to hear people bitching about. I didn't know. It's like, you didn't know that drugs were illegal. Oh, it's bullshit. And, you know, you're flying into Singapore, Malaysia, 
Indonesia, Sri Lanka, name it. And the stewardesses say, you know, we're commencing our final descent into Singapore. Temperature is 29 degrees. And the Singaporean government would like to remind all passengers that the penalty for drug possession in this country is death. Thank you and have a nice flight. And every plane has an honesty box. So you can drop it in as you leave the plane, no questions asked. So if you choose to ignore all the information that you may have read or heard about going to Malaysia. Right. And you still choose to get on the plane with your pot and you still choose to ignore the stewardess in the honesty box. Then as far as I'm concerned, you got what's coming to you. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah. I have yeah. zero sympathy. Yeah. Like exactly. Zero. And if you can't handle going for a short period of time without smoking some pot, then that is your issue. Okay. Do you believe, and if that's your do you job, believe the same thing if you go to a Muslim country with a bottle of scotch? Yeah, but they're not going to kill you for that, though. That's the difference. Because who drinks? Well, not Muslims, but rich white people. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we here in Canada don't kill people who kill people. I, would, I, I can't back killing somebody for a dime bag. <laughs> You know what? I don't back killing someone for a dime bag. Either. Or any kind of drug. I don't care if they have a bag of heroin yeah, no, I, and in I prison. Totally yes. agree. I totally agree. Well, I don't either, but I'm not going to pass judgment on them for making that a part of their system. There's no social crime in Singapore. But what are they, what are they giving because up? Because there are no drugs. They're giving up a lot. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as a freelance journalist in Singapore. Right? Everything you hear in the news is very highly, you know, scrutinized, scrutinized and sieved out. And let's not get anybody too riled up. But here's the cool thing about Singapore. And there are lots of bad things about it. And I mean, as Canadians who are somewhat preoccupied with freedom, which I personally think is a little bit overrated after living in Singapore, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is uh, I was at my gym once full of young guys. And it was an election. And Singapore does have an opposition party. And I said, would you guys ever vote for the opposition party? And all these kids said, why would we? We have free health care, free education. We got perfect transit. That's time to the second. We have the highest home ownership in the world. Good jobs. Good jobs. We're well-educated. Our education is so recognized. They are the actually so living the American dream. They are, but don't diss the government on the phone because they're listening to you, right? You can't have the American dream without Big Brother. Because they mean, obviously have Big it. Brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. is it surreal in Singapore? Like, I'm not a lawbreaker. I don't know. You know well, it depends what they decide the law is. If I decide that I say, oh, I don't like this government, then they get pissed off about that, and that's a lawbreaker. That's, that's a, no, I'm not going to go out and do bad things and hurt people. That's, yeah. But it depends on who decides what the law well, is. Well, and I mean, sure, and, and, let's not, and let's not live under the illusion that Canada is a hella dangerous country. Yeah. You're still more likely to die from the flu here than violent crime. Of yeah. course. You know, so... Especially in this house. Well, right? so, <laughs> it's yeah, well, so well, I mean, like, name, name a bad neighborhood. Like, there's, like, five bad neighborhoods in this in country. In Canada. Right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Where you can't walk around yeah, at and night. And that's not even true. No, it's just at night. Right? Okay, well, maybe... Like, maybe not. I don't well, know how I mean, cool you I would be, can, like, hanging out I, in North Central you know what? Regina. I gotta say, well, okay, I don't know anything about North Central Regina, but it's I mean, rough. I lived in East Vancouver for years. Yep. And I worked in the downtown east side and have many times walked through the downtown east side. And in my experience, people that are super fucked up 
which is usually what those neighborhoods are. Yep. Actually, okay, that, I'm afraid of walking down Granville Street at 2 a.m. because all of the suburb kids and all the rich, privileged fucking assholes yep. yeah. are stepping on the con. street and they're drunk and coked up and they're dangerous as fuck. Yep. Yeah. If you gave me a choice to walk down Hastings Street at 2 a.m. or to walk down Granville Street at 2 a.m., I will take Hastings oh, yeah. Street every fucking time. Well, Hastings you know? Street, they're, they're doing their thing. They're yeah, they don't care about it. They're looking out after each other. No one they there, might look, yeah. yeah. No one there has, has had a decent meal or no. looked after themselves in weeks. Yeah. yeah. So you are stronger than they are. Yeah. You totally. are faster. You're not going to go down like a sack of potatoes. No. Yeah. But yes, you're right. Canada is not hella it's, dangerous. No. And so, yeah. I mean, like, but that's my thing when they're like, we need to monitor your shit because of all the dangerous people. We, and I'm like, what dangerous people? Hire the dangerous people, you motherfuckers. How many people do the cops beat up? Yeah. And like leaving oh, the prairies in the snow. And how, like, you know, they're talking about the fifth guy that died in Winnipeg remand in 2016. And how many people have, okay, how many people were killed in Winnipeg in the same year on the street? Probably lots. You think so? You think as <laughs> Winnipeg many Winnipeg is pretty rough. But you think as many people died in, the, in okay. Well, I'm there's probably, okay, I, I bet up. that there were more than five murders in Winnipeg in 2016. I'm going to oh, see. Christ, we had 10. Yeah, but we're weirdos. Well, we had, but if you, well, yeah. it was a bit of an anomaly, right? It was a weird year. I mean, we had more in one year than we had in what two decades or a decade. You know, it, it's very disconcerting that I punched in Winnipeg murder, and it's like Winnipeg murders twenty seventeen, Winnipeg murders twenty sixteen. Like, okay, well, maybe that is bad. Right. If that's but they have an amazing three. comedy festival. They do, they do and that. it's really turning into really vibrant, and it always has been a multicultural yeah. hub, right? And yeah, that's what I like. like. I've never been to Winnipeg. I want to go one day. But when my brother Ooh. went through, he said it felt like a small town that just was bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they're not fucking around in Winnipeg. No. No. Come on, Dan. How many? Well, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm I oh, like no. to, I like to read things, <laughs> get, get the things and sum it up so that I'm not stumbling when I do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here we are. In 2016, there was 42 homicides in Manitoba. So not specifically in Winnipeg, but Manitoba. And I think based on population, we can assume the majority of those were in Winnipeg, Yeah. yeah. which was down from 47 the year before. Saskatchewan had the country's highest rate. Really? Uh, at, <clears throat> at 54 homicides. That's all probably north central Regina. Wow. That is a fuck ton of people. Yeah. That's a lot of people. 54 so, so is a lot. What, so what is uh, listening in on our email going to, how's that going to change the murder rate? Or They want to frame it so that people think that they're looking for child pornographers or human traffickers or stuff like that. Right. Right. They've been looking for that since the internet started. But I'm a big advocate for a universal legalization of all drugs. So Absolutely. I think 100%. you just legalize drugs straight across the board. Well, look at Portugal. They legalized all drugs and their social crime went boom. drop yeah. into the basement. And then it's you not take, an accident. And you, know, you, you start to sell it. And then you take the money from selling those drugs, you throw it into social housing, yep. health care, yep. and education. Yep. And whatever you have left over, put into infrastructure. Yeah. Then maybe we could make sure that all the First Nations in the country that has more lakes than every other country on, on the, the face earth. of the earth combined have, have safe drinking water. drinking water. Right. Just saying. They can build a pipeline from Edmonton to Houston, but they can't build a pipeline from Great Slave Lake to Grassy Narrows that does water. Right. But if it breaks, isn't going to kill everybody? No, it will just water. water it. They can build a water line 
across the border into California. But Grassy Narrows still has mercury in their water, right? Yeah. Wow. No, but I do. I think that's uh, should be the focus of all governments is to get every Canadian fresh water. That's a fucking right. And make sure they have Not proper housing. Brown. I'll just say whatever party does that will have my vote for life. Good enough is not acceptable. We always need to be striving for better. For better. Absolutely. You know? Eventually we want everybody in the world to bitch about the weather because they have oh, nothing yeah. else to bitch great. about. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and it's just Calgary. We're all just Calgary, Calgary. right? <laughs> oh, wait. Where do you live again? Yeah, Calgary. Oh, yeah. But I, okay, but I want to tell you something about Calgary. And people think that it's super white bread, and it kind of is, unless you go to 17th Avenue Southeast, where on one stretch of 17th Ave Southeast of about 20 blocks, there are 58 different ethnic restaurants. The other day, I was looking for a restaurant to take Jill when she was in town because she wanted to try South Indian food. So I was Googling, and I found a place that was Sri Lankan, and South Indian. And as I was looking on the map where it was in the Northeast, I also found a Romanian deli. <laughs> nice. Because Calgary is just kind of that place. If you look for it, there's lots of cool shit. Have you ever been to a Romanian uh, deli uh, before? Uh, Smartass. <laughs> <laughs> All the cultural I'm wonders that are totally available in my city. <laughs> He's totally just being a I'm just fucking with No, you. I was I was thrilled to be when you brought to us these there. girls to Ethiopian. Oh, you know what? I was I like, mean, oh my god, look, Calgary is actually becoming a real city. Yeah, not just the place that the oil companies have their burbs. their yeah. businesses and burbs. <laughs> There's a lot of there's, burbs. There's some culture coming in, and people are enjoying that, and they're thriving. But there's always been decent culture in Calgary because I mean, Calgary is actually one of those places that has uh, they've always had a decent art school. Yeah. And that decent art school has led to a certain kind of cultural practice there. You know, so the art scene has always been decent. There's actually always been a decent music scene there. Mm -hmm. Yep. But Edmonton was always better. I hate to say it. I like Calgary as a city better. But music, comedy, art was a... And maybe it's because it's a yeah. little bigger. You know, I just need that soup. I need a noodle soup. I need to go and hit it. There are a lot of... I have lots of issues with the Vietnamese soup in this town. <laughs> A lot of issues, but you know what? It's really fast. I like the salad roll, and at least it's fucking here. Yes. And you now, have lunch for 10 bucks. Yeah. Would I rather go to Calgary, where I'm going to get a plate with basil on it? Yeah, you I'm are. I'm going to get a couple of Thai chilies. <laughs> I'm going to get bean sprouts that look like they're fresh and beautiful, yeah. not brown and questionable. Right. Where I'm like, like am, am I going to get... Gonna e. get yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you, you know? just have to go to the, some of the grocery stores here. Well, and I that. don't blame them. Yeah, no. I do not blame no. them. How the That's, fuck do you get a sprout to the Yukon? You grow them you here. you got to grow, grow it. Them That's here. the only yeah. way you can do it. And i got to say, those dudes are not growing sprouts. No, no. Okay. It's very like, easy, folks. What well, is? It's super easy. Layla always does that shit in jars. And I have this thing with Layla's my daughter. <laughs> but uh, she'll do this in a jar. She'll be like, oh, I'm going to grow some sprouts. And there's this thing in my mind that every time she does anything, I'm just like, ugh, you're weird hippie witchcraft bullshit. <laughs> you know? And she she <laughs> shakes this jar with water in it, and she's got this whole thing. And she's like, that'll be sprouts in a few days. And then it is, and you're like, witch! Yeah, and, well, you know, and I and it's like... Black I, magic. For some reason, <laughs> I don't give her the credit right. she actually deserves in... Pulling shit like that off. Oh, well, just you don't because I watched her Instagram just in the summer and I'm like, how the fuck? 
fuck did she grow vegetables like that yeah here in the yukon she's like our garden is all right i'm like oh my god i can't buy yeah i know her store. broccoli right was like store broccoli that's she, yeah i know and here's the here's she should the be a problem. farmer a little farmer it Go. was like what we were talking about last night where she would cook shit and terrify me because I was worried she was going to give me food poisoning has left an indelible mark on me. She learned, you didn't think she, she learned anything. Yeah, everything yeah. she does now, I assume will kill me. <laughs> when she, it comes to food. She's like, I brought you some Labrador tea. And I'm like, weird tree leaves that you picked <laughs> in the bush. <laughs> They're probably covered in fucking dog pee. Yeah. And... And anger. I don't know what else you've put on them, but I don't want to boil water and pour it on them and then drink it. Right. I think that will that will supercharge the dog urine. I know. I was just thinking right? about the dog pee smell when yeah. you pour the hot I, water. You know what I mean? And like, but I have no evidence that she will kill me with stuff. Right. You know, because and I have tons of evidence that she won't. Yes. <laughs> so funny. Like a ton of evidence that I will actually be safe. Uh, and I cannot shake that part of my fucking brain where I'm like, you can't grow bean sprouts in a fucking jar. What is this? Mexico? <laughs> okay. Real shit. Real okay. shit. Your favorite Vietnamese restaurant in Calgary. Well, I have to say that that would have to go to Phu Hong Viet on the corner of 17th Avenue and 37th Street Southwest because it's close to my house. <laughs> no, you know what? That is, that is that's, that's part very of valid. Yeah. How yeah. is their peanut sauce? I don't know, actually. I don't think I've ever had satay there. I always have a bowl of boon or a bowl of pho. But they do what Steve and I like to call space ghost, which is like the shrimp, <laughs> the, like the shrimp meatball on the sugar cane. Never had it. Oh, yeah, man. that's good. It's like a shrimp meatball on a piece of sugar cane. You so. know what you... You can't go wrong with a shrimp meatball. Let's be clear on that. (laughs) It's delicious. Does Calgary have a Jewish deli? They have one. It's called Grumman's, and they say it's Jewish, but they sell BLTs. So I went there once, and I'm like, you guys are fucking losers. So is the ish in quotation marks? Yeah, Yeah. Jew-ish. Right, got you. And their corned beef sucked. I had better corned beef in Singapore. That is fucked up. Yeah. It's not good. Because I need to go into a Jewish deli to have amazing smoked meat or corned beef, but I have to have horrible coffee with it because it's just part of the way it is. There might be, like, I mean, if on 17th Ave Southeast there's Illichmann's, which is a German deli. Okay. You know, it's not going to have that same vibe, but they've been in that location in the hood for four or five generations. Like, they've been there for a long time, and it smells like really nice. They are trying to have a Jewish deli. I give them a little credit for that. We don't really have a lot of Jewish folks. No, we don't have Calgary. No, in Calgary, what you're seeing a lot more of now are the hipsters doing old, kind of cheesy with their beards and. (laughs) Go ahead. No, go go ahead. You know, like their pompadour hairdos. Yeah, but they're really great for food because they're picking up some old traditions, traditions, like learning how to butcher. Hunting is becoming a huge thing in Alberta with the hipster community, right? Like, go harvest your own meat. So there's lots of really cool sausage makers. They do cool stuff like there. There's one that has like gochujang Korean sausage and Szechuan peppercorns and like cool stuff in addition to you know hot Italian sausage or the usual suspects. So. Yeah, not so many. Oh, that's okay. I, pastrami I, on rice. No. You Calgary. know what, though? There's, Go to there's Montreal a... for that. I would like to point this out, that one of my favorite restaurants in Calgary is the only Uzbekistani mm-hmm. restaurant oh. in Western Canada. Nice. I love that place. Yeah. 
Now we're talking. It's kind of an interesting blend of Eastern European and Indian and Chinese because it was on the Silk Road. Right, of right? course. So you have things that are kind of like dumplings, but not really a pierogi and not really a dim sum mm. with lamb inside. You had me a dumpling. You had yeah. me a lamb inside. <laughs> it's delicious. We went there with Jill and Sandy and we pigged out the four of us and the bill was Eighty, eighty dollars. Wow, it's just awesome. Yeah, right. And, and we gave them like a forty dollar tip. We're like, <laughs> you need to charge more. <laughs> and what's your favorite dim sum place in Calgary? If you're going to go for dim sum, you go to Silver Dragon. I mean, I haven't been for ages, and it certainly doesn't compare to anything that we had when we lived in Asia. But it's great, and it's busy, and it's fun, and it's been there for since the '60s. It's yeah. kind of an institution, right? Yeah. So it's an experience. The food's pretty good. Which reminds me, when I was telling these guys the other day, I just read an article in the New York Times about Canada's food scene and what's Canadian food. The thing that I loved about this article was they were talking about how the newest, hottest cuisine in Toronto is Syrian food. And that's how Canada treats people who come to their country as refugees. We have this huge influx of Syrians. No. We say, open a restaurant. Yes. So I think we can agree that we just judge countries by their culinary yeah. Absolutely. There was a restaurant until fairly recently, like a block away from our house, that was a couple of young Filipino hipsters who had a food truck and they were doing yeah. so well. They're like, let's get a restaurant. It didn't really work out, but they would roast, like do traditional, traditional like roast yeah. Filipino food all day. And they're like, if you come here and we're out of meat, we're out of it because it takes us all day. 12 hours to cook yeah. it. And it was good. Yeah. Like the faux restaurant. I always get fucked up with the faux and the pho. But anyway. The full restaurant I go to in Vancouver is called Lido. I shouldn't say that out loud. Well, beep that out. Yeah, beep. we're going to edit that. Ah. I don't want people fucking up my restaurant. <laughs> Everything in there is fresh and beautiful. And when you walk in, if you get there, like, is this say, Vietnamese? Vietnamese. Yeah. Because I'm addicted to Vietnamese food. Yes, yeah, yeah. I uh, do. After four o'clock, it's a throw of the dice about whether or not you'll get soup that day. Yeah. Because I of, love that. Yeah, because they run out. And when they run out, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and I I love that, and it makes yeah, it makes your customers more. Dedicated. I'm cool with that. Like anywhere we go, and Steve and I really like food, and we eat at restaurants a lot. Right? right, I dig when they're out of food. Me too. I'm like great because that means they don't just have a freezer full of frozen scallops. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know it's they fresh. They got their you know 80 day. scallops flown in yeah. from Vancouver or. Nova Scotia, as the case may be, yeah. that day. Yeah. And as soon as those 80 scallops are done, they're done. I had a problem with the food in Portland because I don't want the best beef stew I've ever had. I Frankly, you can take traditional American food and shove it deep up your ass. I'm not interested in your pot pie. I love a good chicken pot pie, but when I'm but I can make a chicken pot yeah. pie. Totes. When I'm on the road, I want to eat something I can't fucking find. That's why I go going south. I you love got, Southern American. You, you know what else oh, yes. too is like, but in Seattle, the it's food fantastic. is better in Seattle. Right. Right. So when you're in Seattle, the food is great. Hmm, Portland, everything is just. You think they're trying too hard? Super American, super like this burger paired with this beer. Do you know how many burgers I eat when I travel? Honestly, zero because I can come home and make a beautiful there's burger. There's just like a ton of white people there or is it? Oh, it is the white. Wasn't that whole part of the United States? I'm going to. Uh, how did that work? I'm going to. Well, you know what we'll do is next time uh, my buddy Matt's up here, we'll interview him. Yeah. 
and because uh, he just wrote a book about Portland, which I haven't read yet, but I know so the you synop- will have read before we enter. But I know the synopsis of it, <laughs> right? And uh, it is all about the whitening of Portland. And but, how come there is no black people there? Yeah, the history of that. There's a reason. Yeah, there is. And uh, but we were having this. You know, I, I was wasn't having a good food vacation. That's a and that's it a was shit a vacation. I was having an amazing roller derby vacation. I got to meet Plastic Patrick, mm-hmm. who I really like. I got to get my photo taken with uh, Susie Hot Rod, awesome. who I'm a huge fan of. Right. If I had gotten a photo with Bonnie Thunders, it would have been the trifecta. I would have been that would have been it for me. Right. The food wasn't great, and then we went to this little town called Lincoln City. It was beautiful, and we were driving all around looking for a restaurant. I don't want burgers and fries. I don't want that kind of shit. I don't want diner food. Yeah, I don't want diner food. The only thing I really like at diner, I mean, if you're hungry, eat at a diner. And there's some good diners out there. There's great diners. They have to have good pie. And I don't eat dessert. And every once in a while, diners are exactly what you need. Yes. Particularly for breakfast. It's when you're you're traveling, not once you get there. That's it. Yeah. I love a diner breakfast. I grew up. And I like late night diner. I grew up at Trails North. Yeah. I grew up in a diner, but we used to have traffic. We drove across this bridge and there's this crab shack. But outside there was stacks and stacks and stacks of the big containers that they bring fresh seafood in. Yeah. And they had a giant cauldron outside in a little gazebo. Go there. That's where we went. I was like, oh, finally we're saved. And I walked in there and I had to immediately upon stepping in the door, I had to throw a bunch of politics out the window and go, nope, (laughs) don't. I know that they're selling hoodies that are talking about the Second Amendment. Yeah. You know, don't look at it. Yeah. You're not here for the hoodie. I'm here oh. for the food. And the food was exactly And that's why I, I say you always take somebody's culinary ability and you have to add it to their political views. Because it, it's yeah. important. It's you, to me just as important, not more, than your political. Yeah. It helped. I have a friend. I have to tell you the story because yeah, I think please. you'll appreciate it. I have a friend. Her name is Wendy. And she's like, is full tattoo sleeves. And she's a rockabilly girl. Victory rolls in her hair. And her and her husband own a place in Kentucky because he's a crazy viral Cincinnati Bengals fan. So they bought a cheap house in Kentucky so they could go tailgating and go to the football games. And I said to Wendy, I'm like, I bet you guys don't really blend in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. How do you, like, your realtor asks you, where do you want to buy and what church do you guys go to as, like, the first question? And I said, well, how do you cope with living in Kentucky? And she goes, I just pretend I'm watching TV. <laughs> pretend I'm watching TV all the time. Says it works. How's the um, the climate around the NDP being in Alberta right now? A lot of people really hate them. And Jason Kenney is sadly the leader of the PC party, party in yeah. Alberta and will probably be our next premier, which makes me cringe. I don't talk politics in Alberta. No, but you're in the Yukon yeah. right now. Feel free. <laughs> it's just, I, I see good things happening. and Yeah, but they don't because they can't get over the fact that their PC party fucked up so bad. Well, they can't accept that people that. voted the NDP in. When we well, look I mean, at the state still, of the NDP still. in Canada, yeah, <laughs> that the stronghold of the NDP is Alberta. I know it's not really you, long. But did no. you ever think that you would hear those no, words leave anyone's not. mouth? No. Never, never. But it's like Obama. It won't. I last. like it, but it won't last. It won't last. Oh, no. Our next, our next premier well, is going to be a guy who was too busy to go to the gay pride. 
great. And doesn't well, I mean, like brown people. And doesn't in like the brown status people, quo. Likes yeah. white middle-aged guys. So. Yeah. yeah. But it's par for the course for Alberta, and I feel a little bit apathetic about politics in that province, just because... I am I feel apathetic about politics in Canada Can, right I, now. In, yeah. yeah. Just in general. Yeah. yeah. We're a little bit we're, rudderless. And we're this close to being a two-party system. No, I don't think so. You think the NDP going to make a swing back? Well, no, I just think that we'll always have at least three parties that people viably vote for. Yeah, but it's the difference between Canada and Australia, where they have a truly two-party system. Right. And then you have two crazy guys, independents from Queensland, far north Queensland, who are all the balance of power in Parliament because... It's 49 and 51 and two, right? So you got to convince those two. Which is a weird amount of power. It's very strange. I was one of the people that was screaming anyone but Harper. Oh, yeah, me too. And I actually cut the United States some slack because I think a lot of the policies and the things that Trump pushes are no different than what Harper was pushing. Yeah. And when we look at Trump and the United States, we go, I can't believe you elected Donald Trump. I can't believe that we elected Harper three times but harper is a better politician he was well he's a canadian politician yeah he, but i mean you know what he's not as loud well, he's he not as emotional but when you're working he's a robot <laughs> but when you live in a country it behooves you yeah to look into what the leadership of your country is doing yeah. and to understand what they actually did and to not buy the rhetoric and the bullshit yeah and it's not like it wasn't out there no you know, no, but it say. takes effort. When I said anybody but Harper, I truly meant it. Oh, me too. And For so sure. uh, my vote was strictly based on who is going to win this election. Trudeau he is the dreamiest up, politician up in the world. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's a drama Trudeau? teacher. Yes. I don't see it. Oh. oh, grow a womb. I see it. I get it. I, I don't see some. it. Okay. I like the president of Here, Mexico, let, too. He's very on. handsome. Let me fella. give you a quiz. Who's Shoot. better looking? Trump? Well, okay. Or Trudeau. Okay, this is just question no, number yeah, one. No, Starting okay. with the Co- easy one. Yeah, clearly Trump. Okay. <laughs> clearly Trump, Trump is okay. better looking. Well, no, clearly Trump is not. Oh, okay. Because I mean, like, okay. no, okay. I'm not judging. Yeah. No, Trump is disgusting. Okay. I mean, let's be clear. Would on you that. fuck that guy? Would I fuck Trump? Yeah. I would horribly fuck Trump. <laughs> I would Trump. I would fuck Trump in the most awful, <laughs> dirty jailhouse fashion. Okay. Good. Oh my God! Like it would That's be, the answer I was it would be for. so <laughs> offensive what I did to Trump. Okay, I, I would give him like the worst dirty Sanchez he's ever had. Okay, good. Question number two. Yeah. Who's better looking, Trudeau yeah. or Angela Merkel? Well, come on now. <laughs> looking. I mean, okay, looking. hold on though. I, I mean, she is really the leader of the free world. She like, is. I admire the woman to know, which is why and, I'll sleep with her. But, but I would when, definitely sleep with Trudeau before I slept with but her. When Putin, I would want when a menage a trois. Hold on, when Putin was shirtless in that tank and he was riding the white, and he was looking around. like he could wrestle a bear, I was like, mm, I see it. That guy's virile. Okay, so Trudeau, Putin, boxing match, topless. Oh. I, I honestly think I think Putin it would, would, would kick his pansy ass. But the, tri- the three amigos, they have the pictures of uh, the president of Mexico, uh, Barack Obama, and Trudeau. Like, it was just pretty. It was. Like, that yeah. was very pretty. My no, mouth I mean, was watering a little, actually. Yeah. And well, then they I, fucked it out that whole picture up by putting an orange menace in there. The orange, <laughs> orange, orange Muppet. Uh, orange Muppet Hitler. <laughs> well, thanks, Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Gus. You bastard. Oh, that Gus. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you had fun and maybe even learned something. 
The Horse is brought to you by Molotov and Brick Tattoos and J.L. Hamilton Productions. Until next time, remember to be kind to yourself and to others. Yeah.